And we ask now, Lord, that you would use your holy word, you would use your holy Bible, and the portion of it that we will dig into to inspire us, to help us, to discover some truths that can really make a difference in our lives, in our Christian walk, in our relationships. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our topic today is Lessons from Beauty and the Beast, Part 2. Lessons from Beauty and the Beast. There is a story in our Bible in which it would be appropriate for us to refer to, to the wife as the beauty and to her husband as the beast. And hopefully none of us husbands will ever have some wife or someone referred to us as the beast. But in this particular biblical account, I believe it's quite appropriate. And the story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25, if you'd like to turn to it. And as we focus in on what happened, the beauty is Abigail. And the beast is Nabal. Now briefly, here is the storyline. About a thousand years B.C., there was a man named Nabal, N-A-B-A-L, who lived with his wife Abigail near the town of Carmel. At the same time, David, who would eventually become king of Israel, was hiding in the area. He was hiding from Saul, who had been trying to pursue him and to kill him. And while David and his men were in the area, they provided protection for Nabal's shepherds and herds in the fields. When David learned that Nabal was shearing sheep, he knew Nabal would be making a lot of money, a lot of money from the mounds and mounds of wool that they would be gathering and selling. And so David sent men to greet Nabal and to very nicely, very politely, ask him for some food, some basic necessities, some provisions for David and his men out in the fields. Well, David made the request based on the custom, the custom of hospitality and sharing wealth with those who have provided assistance to a person. It was a hospitable thing to do. In fact, if it had not been for David, Nabal would have lost a lot of his sheep and goats to thieves and to wild animals. It's just the way it was at that time. Well, when Nabal got the request, however, he made it very clear that he wasn't giving anything to David or his men. Well, David became very angry and quickly organized 400 of his soldiers to go with him to kill the beast, Nabal, and his men. Nabal's wife, Abigail, the beauty, heard what was about to happen, and she quickly assembled a lot of provisions, food and basic necessities, got them all together, which she rushed out to, to get to David and to his army. She pleaded with David 
to spare Nabal's life, not just for the sake of, of saving Nabal, but also for the sake of saving David's reputation so that David wouldn't uh, develop a reputation for being a killer. So in part one, I shared with you, I believe, some very helpful, very valuable lessons. A summary of those lessons can be found in today's bulletin. But now let's go into part two and discover some very other wonderful, more different lessons from Beauty and the Beast and see how the story further unfolds. And so here we are. Here we are. One of the lessons that I want to invite us to focus on today is this. The first lesson that I want to invite us to think upon is this. Live your life in such a way so that people will have nothing but good to say about you. Live your life in such a way that people will have nothing but good to say about you. We are reminded of this truth when we see that the people who knew Nabal best had something to say about him. Look at what one of Nabal's servants said about Nabal in the second part of verse 17. This was the servant who was talking to Nabal's wife, Abigail. And the servant said this, He's so ill-tempered, that is Nabal, that no one can even talk to him. All right? That's what the servant said. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. He's so ill-tempered. Ill-tempered can mean uh, what? Irritable, bad-tempered, very, very hard to get along with, and so on. Now, it's very sad for everyone, for Nabal's immediate family, for his servants, for his friends, if he had any. It's very sad that he was so ill-tempered that no one could even talk to him. By the way, are you ever so ill-tempered that no one can even talk with you? It's possible that some of us on occasion might very briefly be so ill-tempered that no one can talk with us. It's possible that occasionally you might be so upset about something that, that for a few minutes, for a few minutes or a few hours, it's best for no one to try to talk with you. You just need some space. However, however, if you are repeatedly so ill-tempered, so full of anger that no one can talk to you, no one can reason with you, then there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And you need to cry out to God to help you get over, to help you conquer that ill-tempered nature, to help you get over your, your irritableness, your anger, your bitterness, or whatever it is, whatever it is that sometimes makes you sound and look like Nabal. Ephesians 4, 26, 27, the Bible says this. It says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Last week, on the news, we heard the terrible report 
that a man stabbed with a knife his five-year-old daughter numerous times. And uh, those of us who know about this have been praying for that little girl. Perhaps we will never fully know why that man did such a terrible thing to his little girl. Probably we'll never know all the reasons. But I venture to say, I venture to say that for whatever reasons, very likely that man was filled with anger. And as the Bible says, anger gives a foothold to the devil. Right? We just looked at Nabal's servant in terms of how that servant described him. Let's have a look at how Nabal's wife talked about him. In this dialogue, Abigail is speaking to David. And in verse 25, she says this. She says, I know Nabal is a wicked man. Please don't pay attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. Husbands, may the Lord help you and me to live in such a way that we would never give our wife reason to say the kind of terrible thing Abigail said about her husband. Amen? Now, what also hurts, what also hurts is the fact that when you read this whole story, Abigail comes across as a very cool young woman. And uh, verse 3 in 1 Samuel 25 describes her as sensible. She was sensible. Abigail was not some weirdo saying terrible things about her husband. She was a very sensible, level-headed woman. Now, if people, if people who are closest to you are telling you you are wicked and ill-tempered, then you need to stop and really examine yourself. Right? Maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you victory over your wicked and ill-tempered nature. Today is Pentecost Sunday. In the Bible, we read of how in the first century, the power of the Holy Spirit did incredible positive changes in people's lives. We, we, we read of how different individuals were remarkably transformed. They had been followers of Jesus, but boy... They were incredibly transformed in beautiful ways when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit works directly in us to bring about the positive, beautiful changes. And sometimes the Holy Spirit might also use a counselor, a pastor, a family member or a friend to help us experience the change that needs to happen. The Lord works in different ways. Amen? What I want to say is, make a decision, make a decision to live your life in such a way so that people will have nothing but good to say about you. Amen? Let's move to a a second very important truth from this story from Beauty and the Beast, and it is this. Know that sometimes you can be the key in diffusing a volatile situation. I want you to really think about this as we go through it. 
Perhaps another way of me saying this is to say, know that sometimes you can be the key. You, you can be the key in preventing a bad situation from getting worse. Whether it's in the family, uh, at work, at school, at church, in the community, wherever it might be. Now, in the Bible story here, there were two key people who helped to diffuse a very volatile or explosive situation. Think about key person number one. Key person number one was a servant. This was one of Nabal's servants. After the servant saw and heard how Nabal had disrespected and refused to give provisions to David and his men, this servant used his brains. He used his brains and said to himself, something like this, he said, My master was very unkind and unfair to David and his men, who did a lot for us by protecting our shepherds, sheep and goats from robbers and wild animals. And the servant most likely also said to himself something like this. He said, uh, David is not going to put up with this kind of mistreatment. My boss was very unfair. Now, that servant could have said to himself, well, it's not my business that my boss mistreated David and his people. Oftentimes people will use the excuse of, well, it's not my business. Sometimes, sometimes a person will discover that a fellow employee is stealing from their company, and he or she will, will think, well, 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 it, it's not my business. On occasion, someone will discover that their friend is cyberbullying or bullying in some other way, but instead of going to the friend and, and telling them to, to stop it, they'll ignore the issue and, and kind of say, well, it, it's not my business. Sometimes a person will discover that Someone's son or daughter is using drugs, but instead of talking to that young person's parents, sometimes folks will say, well, it's not my business. It's not my son or daughter. On, on occasion, a person maybe discovers that their friend, their friend is being unfaithful to his wife or to, to her husband, but instead of confronting that friend, they say, well, well, it's, it's, it's between the two of them. It's not my business. But the good news is, this servant in Nabal's household was smart. Was smart enough to know that it was his business. It was his business. And, and here is what he did. He must have thought that Nabal's wife, Abigail, was second in command. And so he went to, to Abigail. And look at what the servant did, starting in, in verse 14. Reading in verse 14. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be, this is the servant talking to the wife of the beast, 
Verse 17, you need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Now, it, it was a very good thing that the servant spoke to Abigail, because until then, Abigail had no idea that David had sent some men to her husband asking for some provisions. And until the servant told her the story, she had no idea that Nabal threw insults at David and his men. Somehow she was left out of the loop. Then we see how key person number two really makes a big difference. And key person number two, of course, is Abigail. So Abigail is also the key here in diffusing a volatile situation. I want us to notice how after Abigail got the information from the servant, she didn't say, oh, I, I need to form a committee to see what should be done. Or, oh, I need to form a subcommittee to see what should be done. There, there's a time for committees and, and subcommittees and all that. But there's a time to think quickly, act quickly, to diffuse the situation. Amen? There's a time to really respond, to act. We could say, Abigail was a woman of action. So notice what she did, starting in verse 18. Here it is, in verse 18. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisin, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow, help this fellow Nabal, he's referring to. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Um, those of you who heard part one of this message will recall that one of our truths there was we have to be careful not to overreact to a situation. And I pointed out how David really overreacted. And once again, we see him overreacting here in verse 22. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Verse 26. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. 
The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Verse 29. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised, and he has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't, won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, Please remember me, your servant. Those are the words of Abigail. You see how she took action? See how she responded? Now, Abigail did exactly what needed to be done to diffuse a very volatile situation. And because of what she did... David and his army of 400 soldiers stopped their attack on Nabal and his men. They turned around and went back to where they came from. Now notice what David said to Abigail in verse 34. In verse 34, David says, For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. What a difference. One person's thoughtfulness and actions to diffuse a situation. What a difference one person's efforts can make. Amen? Abigail diffused the volatile situation. This past Tuesday, I had our first board meeting of the church year. Our fiscal church year goes from May the 1st of this year, for example, until April 30th of the next year. At the start of that board meeting, I did a little lesson with our board members, as I often do, in which I said, board members, in a sense, each one of us walks around carrying Two buckets. We carry two buckets. One bucket is filled with water. The other bucket is filled with gasoline. I said to our board members in the church and anywhere else you go, you will come across situations in which, by how you speak and what you do, you'll be potentially pouring the water bucket on the problem and the situation. And as a result, it will soon blow over, get resolved, and it will be over and done with when you use the water bucket. I also said to our board members, I said, or if you use the gasoline bucket, the other one, if you say inappropriate or wrong things, and you do wrong things, by pouring the gasoline bucket, what started as a little thing, a little spark, a little problem, can become a big problem, can become a forest fire from a little spark. 
I challenged our board members to use the water bucket and not the gasoline bucket. And I want to challenge you to do the same in the various aspects of life that come your way. You can be the key in diffusing a volatile situation in your family, at church, at work, at school, in your community. I want to encourage you to develop what's called the art of de-escalation. The art of de-escalation. Anyone, anyone can make a bad situation worse. But blessed is the person who uses the art of de-escalation to diffuse any potentially negative situation. I'm inclined to pray, Lord, help me. Help me to be like Nabal's servant and like Abigail. Amen? May the Lord help each one of us on a regular basis, as a part of your regular life, to be indeed like the servant and like, like Abigail, diffusing potentially explosive situations through your love, through your quick thinking, through your actions, through speaking the right words, through using good judgment, good wisdom, for the honor and the glory of the Lord. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the many lessons that we are able to uncover from beauty and the beast, from Abigail and Nabal. And Lord, I pray that as we have focused on these two lessons today, I pray that you would indeed empower and enable each one of us to live our lives in such a way so that people will have nothing but good to say about us. Oh, we realize and we acknowledge the fact that none of us is forever perfect. But Lord, we know that with your help and the work of your Holy Spirit in us and through us, we know that we can be and we can become more and more of the man, the woman that you want us to be. And so we pray, Lord, that you would work in us, empowering us to live a life that honors you, a life that is truly filled with goodness. That is our prayer. And indeed, Lord, we, we pray that you would, you would inspire each of us, whether it's in the home environment or at work, at school, at church, in the community. I pray that you would help each one of us so that truly we are like that servant. We are like Abigail, diffusing potential very, very volatile situations. Let it be so. Let it be so, Lord. Thank you for what we were able to discover from your Holy Bible. Thank you for your truths. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.